at the end of the day, that's what marketing is. It's figuring out what people want and giving it to them. So when you're thinking about yourself and trying to give them something, they're not receptive to that and they're pushing back. So again, you just have to think about the other person always. If you think about what they want, what's valuable to them and pitch it to them, regardless of if it's a cold email, a product, whatever it is, that's what people are going to be receptive to. Welcome to season one, episode two of the Double Your Freelancing podcast. This first season is all about lead generation. What can you do to generate more leads for your freelancing business or agency? In this episode, I sat down with Benji Hyam, founder of the content marketing agency, Grow and Convert. So Benji and I talked about what role free content has in the overall success of your business. How can you build trust with future leads and your current leads? Why does credibility matter? And how can you build credibility from scratch, even if you're unknown? And how do you measure the success, the actual results of your content marketing? And how do you write amazing case studies? How do you get guest posts published? We talked about all of this in this in-depth interview. Before we get to the interview, though, again, huge shout out to our season one sponsor, and that is FreshBooks. So FreshBooks makes it super easy for you to track your time invoice clients, get paid, manage expenses, give your accountant pretty much everything he or she needs to file your taxes correctly. And it also gives you the reporting that you should have that shows you the health and current viability of your business. Go on over to freshbooks.com double. If you go there, not only do they see that the money that they're spending on this podcast to support us so we can get it edited and get the book written and everything else, is being put to good use, but it'll also give you a 30-day free trial, no credit card required, and it's super easy to get set up. So again, that's freshbooks.com slash double. And finally, don't forget to grab the free book that we've created for this season. That's at doubleyourfreelancing.com slash season one. And once you're there, you can download a ebook that we've put together that includes everything we've discussed during this whole season along with all the actionable takeaways and to-dos and everything else that came out of all these awesome interviews that have happened throughout the season. All right, in this episode, I'm speaking with Benji Hyam. Benji is the founder of Grow and Convert, which is a content marketing agency that we're going to be digging into uh, the foundations of in this episode. Um, he's based now in San Diego, so welcome, Benji. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. So why don't we, before we, there's a lot I want to dig into around um, finding out where your customers live online and finding ways of getting in front of them to our advantage. But uh, before we get there, I'm really curious to hear more about your story. So you have a really interesting story that turned into a very popular Growth Lab article about your own business and how it went from like, you know, at first a, um, you know, just a a course that turned into a workshop and then all these iterations before it became really this productized consulting done for you offering. Um, so why don't you take a moment and tell us a bit about kind of your business and its origins and where it is today? Yeah, I'll give you even more of the backstory than I went into in the Growth Lab article. So the Growth Lab article started when we were testing out monetizing our business. Uh, so Grow and Convert got started at a marketing dinner in San Francisco uh, that Sujan Patel had put on, and uh, my partner, Devish Kanal, 
for Grow and Convert was actually, it was just us three ended up showing up to the dinner an hour early and chatting about content marketing. And Davish uh, has a CRO agency. And uh, we got into this argument about whether content marketing could attract very high quality leads. So he was trying to go after uh, VP of e-commerce at a very large 10, $10 million plus e-commerce companies. And he's like, well, I don't know if, if those e-commerce executives even read content marketing. Right. And I had just come from running marketing at a software development company in San Francisco uh, where we were getting in touch with CEOs, very high level people inside of these companies and selling them uh, completely through content. It was our biggest acquisition channel. Uh, so the whole dinner conversation got started like that. Davish had very complementary skill sets to me. So he's very analytical, has a PhD in material sciences, like the complete opposite of me. <laughs> um, and so it kind of just started, well, you have all this, this experience doing CRO for blogs and other companies and on the analytics side, and I have this experience growing sites why don't we just combine our heads and start writing about content strategy together? So that's kind of the origin of our company. Also, I was in another startup at the time that I was just not happy with. And so we just kind of started writing content and growing an audience. And the initial thing that we did to grow our audience was we decided to put up a public challenge and try to challenge ourselves to grow to 40,000 monthly readers in six months. Like Groove, I guess. Groove. Right? You publicly blogged. Exactly. Cool. Nice. Exactly. But the thought at the time was, okay, if, if we're going to be writing about content marketing, yeah. uh, we really have to prove to people that we know what we're talking about. Right. And so there were, the problem that we saw in this space was there were a lot of people writing really high-level theory about content marketing, uh, trying to rank for SEO terms, but no one really filling the void with really in-depth case studies that people mm -hmm. could learn from. And that's where we saw the gap was in, in this whole space. And so that's kind of what we decided to do right from the get-go is, look, let's just write case studies about things that we've done in the past that have worked in the content marketing space, and then also attach ourselves to this goal of growing to 40,000 people in six months to prove that the things that we're writing about is the way that you actually grow a blog. And that's kind of what, what got our initial fan base was they were excited about being able to follow us along this journey of us trying to grow our site we were fully transparent in everything that we did. So we shared our stats on a monthly basis. We shared what we were doing to promote our content. We were also, all the articles we were writing were content strategies. So they were learning from all the things that we were doing. And I think that was the reason that we were able to, to grow an audience quickly and just build that trust with our community right from the get-go. Nice. Did you, um, random question, did you get to 40,000? We didn't. So yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So we got... <laughs> About four and a half months in, we pivoted to our first monetization attempt, okay. which was a, a phone course. Uh, and the reason was I had quit my job. I was in Bali at the time trying to grow this business and I had no income stream. <laughs> and so it kind of came down to this decision of, do we just try to hit this arbitrary goal for the sake of hitting an arbitrary goal? Yeah. Or do we pivot and start monetizing? So... Uh, we decided to to launch our first course, which was a phone course. And yeah, we, it ended up selling out. So it was a good decision for us. Uh, well, the interesting the is the premise of the that initial dinner with you, your partner, uh, Sujan, about can inbound be used to attract kind of like whale leads, right? Um, yes. 
it's an interesting premise because a lot of us as consultants, we work with, we're not selling $10 ebooks. We're selling, you know, four or five plus figure consulting engagements. And that's always the big question is, you know, if you're, if you're doing custom web application development, right. Or something like that. Right. Um, and you're targeting, let's say SMBs that, I don't know, do turnovers a few million a year or something like that. Like not huge companies, but are the decision makers at those businesses Googling around for content? Are they reading content? So I think what's interesting about that backstory, to me at least, is that's something I want to dig into now, which is specifically what can the average consultant who's doing, you know, selling premium services? Um, and that's another thing I want to dig into is one of the things that you've gotten good at is on the pricing side, being able to go beyond kind of that commoditized, what is the rate of a content marketing agency on a retainer cost? Um, mm-hmm. Love to dig into that, but also specifically, I think for a lot of consultants getting qualified, like getting good leads online who turn into customers or clients who pay a lot of money, seems like a pipe dream. You know, for most of us, we look at our online presence as being more of a extended business card where you know a referral goes and checks out more about us. But it's not really an acquisition channel. It's not a way of getting a new lead. So I'd love to hear, love to hear your thoughts and, and your experience on that. And specifically, you know, as a consultant, what are some ways that we can go and get ourselves in front of people who are actually qualified lead, potential qualified prospects, I should say, and then you know, in turn, turn them into uh, leads? Yeah, so that's a loaded question. There's a, lot, a, of, there's a lot of elements <laughs> to that. Here. <laughs> uh, I, I'll start by saying, I think... The one thing that you have to do is just build trust. Sure. And I think that's, that's what this is all about. That's what content marketing is all about. When but if I, if I to, what do you mean by trust? Does that mean case study creation? Does that mean just going for the long game and you know, not expecting results anytime soon? Like, no, I, I think it's about understanding what your customers care about in relation okay. to your service and proving that you can deliver on that. Okay. And, and so I'll describe a little bit about what I mean by that. But I think a lot of my, a lot of the reason we were able to position the company in the way that we did and the service offering in the way that we did is because I was a content marketer in-house and, and had worked at a number of companies and had tried to hire agencies. And some of the challenges that I saw with hiring agencies at the time were I needed a full service agency and a full service agency to me was someone who did user research, someone who wrote the content would also promote it and could drive leads. So I didn't find any agencies like that. So there's a lot of these content writing services. Uh, There's a lot of content marketing agencies who said that they can drive traffic. And then when you get into the details of what they actually do, it's like, well, we'll create a few tweets for you and a few Facebook updates and we'll send out your posts like that. And so None of them delivered on the end goal of what I needed them to deliver on from from a content marketing perspective, which is if I'm running marketing in a company and I'm paying an agency to do something, I expect results. And so knowing that when we had started our site, that was something that we really wanted to prove that one, content marketing was measurable because a lot of people do just talk about content marketing in these really abstract terms. Like if you grow your site to 40,000 people, some subset of those people will just magically turn into customers. And for a business, not that many CEOs or CMOs who get that pitch are going to feel comfortable with that. So building trust up front with our, with our readers was really showing people that there was a way to measure uh, content marketing ROI. So some things that we did, we built a cat calculator for content marketing. So 
Uh, people could measure how well their operation was doing. We showed people how to track the leads that were coming from content marketing, uh, really focused on the metrics part of it, uh, showed people how they could drive traffic doing promotion. So we did other live case studies where we, we picked a random company on our email list, said we were going to create a random post for them and drive over a thousand visitors in the first month or actually beat out any of the posts on their site in the first month. And so really showing that we could get the results that companies wanted from content marketing by creating this content, by talking about things that other people were afraid to. And then when it came to our agency, I think the challenge that we saw again in the agency space is that most people focused on deliverables. And I think when it comes to premium pricing, that's why people aren't able to charge as much as we were. Other people are selling maybe four blog posts a month. We're selling traffic and leads. It's not about how we do things. It's about what what we deliver to these companies. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is instead of focusing your efforts on a really shiny, amazingly well-written marketing site, you focus more on just pulling back the curtain and saying, this is how we do what we do. These are the kind of results we get. You know, it's, it's in a way you just case studied a lot of your own internal processes and let people see. I mean, I, th- I think that's the issue, right? I, I think that's what you mean by trust is that I'm in the position now where, you know, with, with my new venture, I'm always looking for, you know, I'm talking to a lot of different vendors, right? And the ones I find myself defaulting to are the ones who they've been radically transparent in how it is they operate and the kind of results they're getting. And, and sometimes it might seem self-promotional, but the fact of the matter is, you know, the other day I was looking for somebody to help me with an SEO audit for W Freelancing. And I reached, I don't know if you know John Dougherty, but yep. yeah. I just so, met with him like two weeks ago okay, in, cool. in Denver. So, I mean, that guy is always sharing stuff, right? Yep. And it's always like screenshots of like analytics accounts and stuff. And I'm like, okay, if there's one guy who knows the stuff that I'm going to reach out to about this, it's John. And I've never met him. I mean, we've, we've, t- we've only ever met on Twitter, I think. But had, had, <laughs> I met him that way too. had like johnswebsite.com with a really good sales letter. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't work on me. <laughs> you it, know? it doesn't work. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's, that's part of what I'm seeing right now. And that was, so one, I wasn't too ingrained in the online marketing space or internet marketing space before I had left my company to go out on my own. Yeah. Um, and, and then I get into the space and see what a lot of people are doing, which is just putting up some short sales letter, not giving any of their background or credibility, any of the results that they've gotten for whatever they're selling. And to me, I immediately don't have any trust for those people. There's, there's such a difference between someone who goes through the lengths of sharing everything that they've done throughout their career uh, with whatever they're selling too. So let's say you sell an SEO course. I, I think you should practice what you're preached. So if right. you're an SEO, your site should rank very well. Right. And so right. As, as, as a service provider, that was one thing that we always thought was important for us is if we're selling content marketing services or a course, people better know us for content marketing. Like we're not, we're not, we're not advertising to go find leads. We're not going through our network for referrals. We're not using any other channel except the channel that we're selling to other companies. And so we've never done outbound sales. We never done outbound marketing. Everything is truly through content marketing. And I think that's another thing that builds trust that I think is very different from the way a lot of other people approach building a consultancy or an agency yeah. is 
they might be an, an ad agency and then they have outbound salespeople that are send, sending cold emails instead of using ads to, to build their funnel. Or if you're a content marketing agency, same thing. Like a lot of people are using massive outbound sales teams or cold emails to go build their agency instead of just using what they're good at. And I think that's, that's a differentiator in terms of if people see you're eating your own dog food, I think it's very different than, than someone who sells a service who, who doesn't use their own advice. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's say somebody's listening, they're a, a freelance web developer or something, right? Would you say a good approach would be to actively even say blog about, you know, say you have a sales meeting with a prospect and they asked a series of questions, they had some doubts or objections or whatever. I mean, is that what you mean? Like just openly sharing about, you know, um, assuming there are other people who have questions like that, right? And might be mm-hmm. thinking those questions, but have not yet reached out. I mean, is that what we're talking about? Just really pulling back that curtain all the way. I, I think I've always in a way been okay at this, but I, I know I've, I've spoken with a lot of people who fear it's either too self-promotional to always be, I guess it's, it's too self-promotional or it's uh, too, like who would be interested, right? That's the thought, like yeah. who would be interested? But I mean, from my perspective, it's one thing to go to a marketing site and see like their process, right? But then it reminds me of all the people who write productivity blogs. And they're like, this is, you know, start the day with meditation and then this and that. It's, you know, none of them actually follow that. So like, it always makes me think like, it's one thing to be, to say, this is my prescription or this is my method or this is my process. Mm -hmm. But it's another for me to see give me examples of this being applied, right? Yeah. Examples of this in use. And to me, that's so much more, again, putting myself in the shoes of a buyer, of a client. That's the kind of stuff. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that's... I agree. Well, when people are talking about case studies, I think I think of things in, in maybe a little bit different way than most people are thinking about case studies. So most people thinking about case study, they might be thinking of going to a website and seeing problem solution result and right. just like very short paragraphs yeah. that don't really go into detail that kind of just give a broad overview. Yeah. Like when we're talking about case study, we're saying, look, here's the challenge a company had when they came to us. So in terms of content marketing, I think the key thing is just understanding what the real pain points of your customers are. So how, how do you do that? Uh, one, I, I talk to people who've attempted content marketing before. So go talk to content marketers understand what their challenges are. Uh, For me, I had the experience of being a content marketer. So I knew a lot of the pain points trying to grow a content marketing operation from the ground up, hiring writers, hiring an editor, promoting your content, attracting the right visitors to your blog, scaling, SEO. There's all these different hiccups that people have along the way. And so it's, it's understanding what those are so that you can tailor these case studies and tailor your content directly to the real problems that people are having. And I think when a lot of people are writing content or trying to describe what they do, they don't really have a good pulse on what the real challenges are. They they have assumptions on what their customers have problems with, and they're kind of writing to those instead of talking to their customers. So some, some ways that we've gotten that feedback loop. So if you were to subscribe to our email newsletter, uh, we give some background on our company. And then the last thing that it says is, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, who are you and what's your main challenge right now? Mm-hmm. We've had 500,000 plus responses yeah. to that. And over time, you start to see trends in what people are having challenges around. So when we're writing case studies, we're very conscious to make sure that we're including 
those pain points uh, in the lead of the blog post. So for example, it might be, hey, you publish a lot of content, but your content's maybe getting 100 visitors per post. And we were able to get 10,000 visitors to these three articles. Here's exactly what we did. And now, so as someone on the other end who is running content marketing, and they are that person who's getting 100 visitors to every article, we immediately build that trust with them because we know their challenge up front. We're stating it at the top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think that's, that's important is the reader or someone on the other end customer needs to relate and see themselves in your shoes. And so I think when we're telling stories, oftentimes what we're trying to do is, is put ourselves in the shoes of the reader, try to empathize with them, and then, and then convince them that we know what we're talking about by showing them the exact details of what we do. And another thing you said earlier, too, is just people sharing this stuff. Like, yes, a lot of people share this, but I think there's a big difference between the people who truly share all the details and the people who just kind of skim the surface. Yeah. So on, on LinkedIn right now, there's a whole trend of, of these people sharing these like really emotional stories that try to catch your attention that just kind of scratch the surface and don't really go into the, the detail or the weeds of why something happened and how they overcame whatever challenge that they were trying to overcome. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's not transparency. That's not really helping out the end user. I think if you really have a problem, go into detail about what you tried to do and then maybe some of the failures along the way and that aha moment and then what specifically you did and like go into the the, the weeds, show screenshots, give examples, that kind of stuff, and then show someone the outcome. And so I think that's the big difference too between like the people who do it well versus the people who think they're doing it well, but are, they're, they're not really building the same trust level as the people who kind of share it all. Well, you know, it's funny because I, um, I mean, we both, we mentioned earlier, we both have put articles on Growth Lab. And yep. the good thing about them, the, the reason I, I always recommend them as a really legit business blog is that, you know, you're used to kind of these Forbes articles, right? That are very superficial. You know, the thing I like about... I've, I've gotten feedback from my, because they're strict about it. They're strict about the articles that they publish. They want data and tables and graphs. And what did you try? What was the actual email copy used? Why yeah. do you think it didn't work? And, you know, it came out to be like five, 6,000 words. And I've gotten more feedback from random people who I look up to and respect greatly and I don't know or I didn't know from that kind of article versus... I think the inundation we see, I mean, you see them now, especially with Facebook ads, where these long form Facebook ads where it's like, I was 800 grand in debt and then dot, 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 dot. And then I now discovered this framework or something and, you know, opted to get it. What I've realized is the more I, <laughs> I don't get behind an email gateway or a gate and instead yeah. just share like a freaking 6,000 word article about everything with the intent of saying like, look, if you can relate to this and you want to, I'm not saying this is the prescription. I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, but for me, this is what worked. And here's why I think it worked. That alone, that kind of content has consistently gotten me, I mean, for the consulting work I've done, hugely high quality leads, course sales, you know, building up my, I guess, authority or influence or whatever you want to call it in a way that I don't think you could do otherwise. And I just think it's because people are so used to these like cookie cutter articles, these 500 word posts that are just 
fluff. I mean, that's kind of what they are, right? They're, they're fluff. That's exactly and, what they are. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So what? Uh, okay. So you mentioned getting in the head, getting in the minds of your your target audience. Mm-hmm. To do that, it sounds like you have on your initial autoresponder email, you have some like PS reply and tell me who you are and what you want. Yeah, there's um, a bunch of things that you can do though. So there, there's surveying. So that was yep. something that we did early on. So if you have an email list, send out a quick survey. Some of the questions you can ask, what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? Yep. Who are you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Now, do you, uh, do, you, do you advocate raw feedback instead of something more structural early on? Yeah, everything that we do is open-ended. So it's, it's all open-ended questions. No check boxes, nothing sure. like that, because what we're looking for is the real responses from you want the language they use. Yeah. Yeah. And also how people interpret the question too. Right. Uh, sometimes it's very different. So some things that we did early on. So what marketing influencers do you trust or do you read frequently that, that tells us where a good guest post opportunities also who we should build relationships with, mm-hmm. where we should promote our content like what communities do you hang out in the marketing space that told us a lot of places that we could go distribute uh, to find more people like the people that were good on our list. Uh, so that was a good way talking to people. So early on, we had a lot of phone calls with content marketers and then yeah, through the feedback mechanism on our site. So that was a lot of the way that we got a lot of information quickly in the first year, all through that kind of stuff. Assuming you don't have that inbound flow yet, what, um, so you don't have no, no customers, no email list. Yeah. Uh, what, would you, what would you recommend for like starting from zero? Yeah. So this was something I did at ThinkApps. Uh, so if you're at a startup, no, no customers or small customer base, you have to come up with who the hypothesis of your target market is. So who is that person that you think is going to be the buyer and then reach out to them cold. Uh, so you can use LinkedIn, you can use a cold email and then try to get them on the phone for 15 minutes and just have a conversation with them. And what works really well there is kind of playing into their ego a little bit. So, hey, I'm reaching out to you because you're the VP of e-commerce and I've heard great things about you. And right. like, don't do this as like a, it's not like a spammy mass email way. Sure. Do the real research. Do the and research behind them. Yeah, do, like read a blog post by them, reference something in the blog post, watch an interview, pull out a quote that they really said and show that you've done your homework and ask to do a favor and get on the phone with you for 15 minutes to learn more about them. Uh, it's not to help you. It's, hey, I want to learn more about you because you're credible and you have clout in the field. It's yeah. not, hey, I'm trying to learn about for my business. Can you please hop on the phone with me? It's like, why would anyone else care? Exactly. And, and if, the thing that worked well for me, that, that's worked well for me, um, kind of called it the uh, Trojan horse technique where you go and you tell them you want to say you're doing like a, a blog series, interview series or something like that. And you want to, again, profile them and learn about them and what they're up to. And that way you're able to create more or less evergreen content. And that's not you case studying a client per se, but instead you're, you know, showcasing Like I, I've, we were talking about it in a previous interview. One of the people that uh, we've worked with the W freelancing who is a, He's an expert in wearable technology. He's a consultant who builds apps for wearable tech companies. And he just went out and did a podcast and said, like, I'm going to create a podcast and I'm going to go interview founders of wearable tech companies and just get them on and talk shop with them. I love that. Kind of like do what you would do in a sales conversation, right? Like the kind of ask the right questions and stuff. And it demonstrates his own ability to critically think about their businesses, but also positions him as that expert, that self-appointed expert in space works great. I mean, it works. That's, that's a perfect example of like this whole process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think, um, and I was talking about this in the earlier interview with Matt, 
where, you know, we were talking about podcasting and, and its uses for things like this. And I think there is that kind of, um, you know, imposter syndrome, self-doubt around, I think a lot of us think that somebody else needs to point us as like the expert in X, whereas if you just look at any of us, we're all just, we kind of barge. We're all figuring it out as we go. I, yeah. I had imposter syndrome in that article. I think I wrote about it on Growth Lab that, yeah, when we started monetizing, even I had imposter syndrome. Even after we'd showed results and stuff, I'm like, who am I to, to give this advice or right. to say that I can offer this service? There's so many other people that are better than me out there. Yeah. You're always going to have those self-doubts. I think it's always going to be a challenge for anyone, no matter who they are or where they're at. But I mean, the fact is when you're, when you're promoting data, I mean, I think, it's, I think that's what we're talking about, like promoting yeah. data, not fluff. It's a lot easier, I think, no matter how introverted or self-conscious or whatever you are, when you're showing results, when you're showing, opening up and saying, here's like the thing, you know, we've been doing this a while. Here's my way I onboard new clients. I do it this way because when I used to do it that way, here's what ended up happening again and again and again. What I found works for me is not having a super strong call to action at the end where we're saying like, you know, next step is for you to leave, fill out this lead form or whatever. You know, I mean, that, that's the thing that, Again, to go back to John, John Dougherty, I haven't bought, I don't even know, how, I, I guess he makes money with Credo. I don't know, what, but uh, just the fact that he's constantly visibly immersed in the SEO field, it, I didn't even think twice when I, I didn't Google anything when I went to go think like SEO audit consult or anything. That's, that's the way it should be. And I think that's, that's key. It's, it's the people who stick in your mind. It's not the persons whose email your list you're on. And for all of our clients, now that we're kind of talking about conversion and that kind of side of things, we, we don't actively build email lists for any of the clients that we work with right. uh, and even our own site. So our goal is to get people to our services page, which describes our services in detail, case studies. We give a price point up front, so there's no questions. Uh, I think it also helps with posturing a little bit instead mm-hmm. of trying to, to hide your pricing and change your pricing for every single person everything's up front like there's there's nothing to hide so it, it kind of goes with the philosophy of share everything that's what we're doing and i think yeah growth lab same thing when i wrote there the same same kind of results that you had writing a really long article that goes into depth there's no call to action there's no buy from our agency buy our course anything like that but i had a number of people reach out from that article yeah. just saying thank you because they said it's refreshing that you shared all the details, you shared the why behind things. And I think that's, that's a key thing that's important is if you're going to go into detail of, about how to do something, don't be prescriptive. Like don't say this is, this is the one thing that works for everyone. You have to share, this is what worked for me and here's why. And so that the goal from reading an article should never be, I'm going to go take exactly what this person said and go copy it for my own business. The key thing that you're supposed to do as a reader or someone on the other end, a customer, even someone taking a course is, okay, this person said this and here's why it worked. Now, how can I go apply something similar or these core concepts back to my own business? And it's meant to go, you're supposed to go test things and see what works for yourself. And then when you find what that works, then go double down on that. Well, you know, that being said, I think... I would say the lower quality leads are the ones who do want the tell me exactly what needs to be done. Whereas the high quality leads are the ones who are, again, more, like you just said, more reflective about what it is they're reading and learning. 
and they're more they're more aware of the fact that if it was this easy, I mean, I think that's where a lot of the superficial fluff yes. book ad info marketer du jour types do is they appeal to the I've got it all figured out. You follow my turnkey, whatever, and success. But you know, I mean, I, I think if you're like, I guess you and I, that's not the kind of clients or customers that you're aiming for. Right? You're aiming for people who are successful, who can afford the premium of working with us, and you know all that good stuff, right? Um, yeah, and I think that's why you share more. If if you share all the details, so on our site we have everything broken out by our process. So it's, it's no hidden anything. It's user research, content strategy, promotion, conversion, analytics. And we share content that goes into depth how to do all these things. Why? Because again, the people who will never be our customer on the agency side, I want them to go learn this on their, their own and test it on their own and try to do this themselves. Whereas the people who have money, they know it's challenging and they would rather pay someone a high amount to go do it for them than try to go do it themselves. Yeah. And so I think that's the key thing is you shouldn't be scared that you're going to share too much and that your business is going to go away because you shared all of your secret sauce. Right. Because people are going to figure out what you're doing anyways. And the people who want to and who want to spend the time, which is typically the people who don't have the money are going to spend the time to learn. The people who have the money don't have the time. And those are the people that are going to want your service. And so right. I think by taking this approach, naturally you will attract the people who have more money to spend for a service uh, than you would attract a bunch of individuals who want to teach themselves how to do this. And that's why you shouldn't be scared to share a ton of information and, and your secret sauce. Well, the, the kind of clients you want are not the ones who are going to, you know, they value time over money and yeah. they're going to want to not, they don't want to become an expert content marketer, but they want to make sure. I mean, it's, it's like with me, you know, say I'm going to go and buy a house, right? I'm going to want to learn as much as I can about the house buying process so that when I do reach out to a real estate agent, I don't sound like an idiot, you know? Yes. So yes. I actually know the language they're using and so on. But that doesn't mean I'm going to go out and like DIY my own house buying, right? No. Like, There's but, too much risk there. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, let's face it, I, I don't want like, yeah, exactly. But I mean, I've seen in my own, like one of the, it's interesting. One of the first ways I've seen this in practice was years ago when I was starting my agency back in 2008, nine, I went to a, I was on a local meetup group for local entrepreneurs in Virginia beach. Right. And, um, you know, on, when you're on a meetup group, they send out these emails about upcoming meetings and so on there was a copyright law attorney who was going to give a presentation on everything about DMCA or the digital millennium copyright. Yeah. And I was like, I know nothing like I didn't know nothing about law first off. And I have no need for anything like this, but I work online. That's interesting enough. I'm going to just go for the hell of it. And maybe I'll, you know, they have like post networking and maybe I'll do my networking thing and meet somebody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really interesting because she gave a really in-depth presentation on everything you got to know about online copyrights. I've never hired her, but I've recommended her to many people. And I think that's the thing that we took that formula when we started growing our local agency, doing business seminars that weren't like timeshare presentations. We weren't like squeezing people into a funnel. It was more about just showing people like, when should you build? When should you buy something off the shelf? Pros and cons of each. All the different things that people who were in our target audience would be interested in and were interested in 
where we just openly share about like, how do we go about PMing a new you know, client projects? So companies that had their own in-house teams might go because they wanted to you know, learn more about how to manage projects. They weren't looking to hire us. They didn't have a project on the table. But we, in a way, we called it like building up this like army of sleeper cell agents who <laughs> you know, ended up going to our events consistently. And we do these different things. Like when we launched a client project, we'd just invite everyone on that list to come out first drinks on us at a bar or something and just bring, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional in yeah. a really like formulaic, like we're going to go and convert people who come to this bar for free drinks or whatever. Right. I think that's a mistake that most companies make is there's always some hidden agenda yeah. behind yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. And I think from a consumer's perspective, that's what they're aware of, especially as it's become more prevalent over the last few years. Like, okay, I, I want this really valuable piece of content, but then I got to put my email in here and then I know I'm going to get some spam yeah. email from them and I'm going right. to be on their list and it's going to be really annoying. And so maybe I don't even want that thing anymore. Yeah. And so I think naturally people are attracted to uh, the people who they do feel like are credible, are trustworthy, who don't have a hidden agenda, who really are trying to add value to uh, their audience whatever way possible, knowing that if you do that, the people will recommend other people when, when the time is right, maybe they're not get on customer. Eventually. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you, they will. Yeah. yeah. And, and even I had someone that opted into our email list this morning and he's like, to be honest, I couldn't even figure out how to subscribe to your list. Was that intentional? <laughs> and I was like, kind of, because we don't really care about our email list growth right yeah. now. What we care about is, is people finding our service and finding our content valuable. And so again, just like you said, if, if someone really wants to subscribe, they'll subscribe. You don't need to go put calls to action all over your page and create content upgrades and all these ways to get people on your email list. I think if people care about what you have to say and if they feel like you're adding value, they'll naturally want to form some sort of relationship with you. Absolutely. So one, one question before we break is you mentioned you're starting from scratch and you don't have a, you know, an inflow of people replying to your autoresponder emails, mm -hmm. um, you go direct, but then how do you bridge the gap to say you find out that they, a lot of people are reading a certain, you know, blog or something like that and say this blog does accept guest posts or something like that. When you do like for me, it's, I've been doing more guest posting recently, but it's been easier because I have the leverage of a brand. Here's all the other stuff I've done. You know, it's hard for me because it's, Honestly, it's been a while and it's sometimes hard to think about like, what did I do four years ago when I had a list of zero? What do you, what do you recommend there? I mean, how, what's the best way that somebody who is not known in any capacity, I mean, is it as easy as just reaching out to guest post or a guest post opportunity and hoping it works? It is and it's not. Okay. So okay. it is that easy, but the way that people approach it is the wrong way on, on average. So mm -hmm. we, we accepted guest posts on our site for the last two years. We published four okay. out of a hundred and probably 50 applications. applications. Why? Because wow. people are optimizing for volume over quality. Right. Uh, so what people are doing is they're using email automation tools and they're just using placeholders that say your website and trying to make it look all personalized when it's actually not. Yeah. And imagine someone who's on the editor's side. So someone who gets all these emails, you're seeing templates that have been taken all from the same article. Like people are using the same email software to send the same thing. 
the yeah. ones that truly stand out are the people who've done the, their research. So I'll give you an example. Uh, about a month ago, someone reached out to us asking to guest post and they said, hey, I read your article on this topic. I love this specific point. I have a post that I've been following you guys for a while and I think this idea, this one idea, not like five, would be really good for you. Here's some of the results that I've had and I would love to share the story. And so immediately it stands out to you. And I think the key is knowing what the publication wants from their guest posts. So like, who is the audience that they're going after? What kind of content do they post? And if you just do a little bit of research, so if you're gonna go to Growth Lab, you know that you can't write some thousand word post that doesn't go into detail. If you've read any of their content, you know it's really long form, that it requires examples, requires data. So you generally know the topics that they're interested in. And you, you reach out saying, hey, I have this really good story uh, that's about entrepreneurship or my course business that I'd love to share with you. Here's exactly what I did. Here's some of the examples. Here's screenshots of things. And I'd love to share my story on your blog. And I guarantee you those will get a response. But it's the people who, who are saying, hey, I'd love uh, to share an article about finance. And you're sending it to like Growth Lab. They're like, I don't even get how this relates to what we're talking about. And so it's basically I think the thing outreach templates that everyone uses. It, and it's, it's, yeah, I mean, pe- it's, yeah, people not spending time anymore and people right. not trying to build relationships. I think the key thing is build relationships. Don't, don't try to optimize for yourself for your own time. It's like, yeah, I, I mean now with growth lab, I have an open invitation to, to guest post whenever I want yeah. because you've already built that relationship with the person. And I think that's the, and, and same with the person who guest posted on our site after he guest posted on our site, I gave him the open invitation. Hey, if you ever have another post, because what you did was so great and beyond what other people are doing, I would love for you to continue contributing. And I think that's the key thing is just care, put the time into it and stop trying to like take shortcuts. Like any business is going to require time that you need to put into it. It's, it's not going to be next month I'm making $10,000. And so just put in the effort, find another source of income while you're, you're working on this and and work towards the end goal. You know, it's funny because, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm on the receiving end of both guest post ops along with um, like product promo stuff. And I mean, just the other day I got somebody who's like, Hey, I'm a customer of yours. Um, I just released this new product. Will you promote it to your list for me? <laughs> like, I don't think you realize that like the terms and conditions of being a customer don't like everyone, you know, it's funny whenever anyone really digs into it and asks like, so do people like there seems to be this network online where people are, you know, constantly partnering with each other. And there's like this back channel on the internet. Right. Kind and of. the fact remains every single person who does that generally like has hung out at conferences and like there's, it's not like, you know, um, when Joanna Weeb or something is promoting something of mine or I'm promoting something of hers, it wasn't like, Hey Joanna, here's like my pitch. You've never met me before, but you should like sell, risk your reputation and sell this thing to your entire audience. (laughs) It's like, that doesn't work. That's not how it's done. Right. It's the whole like pitching marriage on a first date. It's not even a date. I mean, that's like pitching marriage when you, meet like somebody walks by you on the street right <laughs> stalking so, because you think that they're you're like wait who who are you like what what are you asking me <laughs> yeah right so i mean i think i think that's the i think you hit the nail on the head in that it's really all about relationships i mean that and, and it's not it's not relationships in like the methodical like cheat like 
formulaic relationships. No, it, it's more about like, it's as simple as thinking what's in it for the other person right, and exactly. taking myself out of the equation. So even with that, if someone had reached out to you and they said like they'd done their research and said, yeah. Hey, I created this course on X subject. I know your audience is also in this yep. subject. And this I think it'll you know, help them. And yeah, or, or this is how I think it would benefit you and your audience yeah. in these specific ways. You'd be a lot more receptive to it because the person has clearly done the research. They're thinking about the value to you and not to them. And I think that's the big thing is, is just think about what's in it for the person on the receiving end. Right. Show them that you've done your homework. Make a pitch that actually benefits the other person and not yourself. And then you'll likely get a response from those people. Absolutely. Well, Benji, this has been awesome. And I think, I mean, I'm really, I, I love this subject as I'm sure we both am. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I mean, I think the thing that I've, I've been asked questions and I'm sure you have too about from people who want the prominence that that kind of ability to reach out to potentially a big name blogger and say, can I write for you or go on your podcast or something like that um, affords. But the way you just ended that with think about them is something that a lot of people say, a lot of people say, look at how many times you use the word me or I versus you. However, in practice, you don't see it applied that often. <laughs> and I think that's the thing that, you know, whenever I send an email to my list, I think, how do I make it very clear immediately that in taking the time to go through this, maybe read the article I linked to or whatever else, that they're going to be better off than they were before this or in, in this podcast? Like, I don't want this just to be Benji and Brennan chatting for however, however long. Instead, you know, I, I think it should be if you're going to give us 35, 40 minutes of time, how do you finish this episode and think, okay, this was worth it, right? If I, that was a good use of the 40 minutes I'm knocking back. And I think that's the thing. The more, you know, you need to think of yourself as a creator, even if you're a consultant or a freelancer or whatever, and you don't think of yourself as a creator. But the more you think from that perspective, I think the better. And I think, I don't want to say most people, but a lot of people just don't, don't put that front of mind. No. And at the end of the day, that's what marketing is. It's yeah. figuring out what people want and giving it to them. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about yourself and trying to give them something, they're not receptive to that and they're pushing back. So right. again, you just have to think about the other person always. And yeah, and if you think about what they want, what's valuable to them and pitch it to them, regardless of if it's a cold email, a product, whatever it is, that's what people are going to be receptive to. Absolutely. So besides growandconvert.com, where else can people uh, reach out or find you? Twitter. So very active there. Benji Hyam at Benji Hyam. Uh, LinkedIn, same thing. Very active there as well. And yeah, I think we'll be releasing a course, maybe relaunching our course <laughs> uh, that teaches people kind of everything that we've done to grow our site uh, over the years. So we'll definitely be interested in that. that that'll be out there soon. Cool. Well, Benji, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the first season of the Double Your Freelancing Podcast. To download the book that we've put together that covers everything that we've discussed, all the resources we've linked to, and actionable takeaways from this season, head on over to doubleyourfreelancing.com slash season one and download it for free.